Good morning, everybody. Three years ago, 2015, in an AME church, a historic AME church in South Carolina, there was a Bible study meeting on a weeknight, and into that Bible study, a 22-year-old white man walked in and sat and listened to that Bible study until just about the time it was going to end. And then he got up, turned out the lights in that room, and systematically shot 11 people. Nine of them died. This act of unspeakable violence was fueled by hate-filled bigotry. He killed them because they were black. One of the things, if you remember this story, that was so amazing in light of this act of utter evil was the response of many in that church where they offered forgiveness to the killer. So a couple of weeks ago, on the third anniversary, they were interviewing three of the women who were in that Bible study, all three who had lost loved ones. And they were talking to them about forgiveness and, and how they were able to do that. But what struck me in this interview as this one woman was describing the scene, she said this. She said, the room was dark, but there were two lights in the room. There was a light from the laser on the killer's gun. But then there was this other, otherworldly twilight. And she said, God was in the room. God was in the room. No matter how dark our lives might get, no matter how terrible our circumstances may be, there is no room so dark, no circumstance too terrible that God is not in the room. We are in a series, we began last week, it's actually a series of series that are joined together by this theme of the way. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way. And so we're talking about, throughout this next several series, the way of Jesus. And so this morning, we're starting a three-week series on prayer and the way of Jesus and the way of prayer. And so we're going to unpack some stuff about prayer. And, and there's two things I want to say at the, at the very beginning of this. The first is, prayer is not an attempt to escape from life. Prayer gives us the power to do life in ways that are sane and life-giving. Prayer isn't an escape from life. It's not like, oh, I'm going to just pray about it. I'm not really going to live my life. I'm just going to go hide. I'm going to escape from the realities of life. I'm going to go off and pray, and that's all I'm going to do. It's not about an escape from life. It is the power to do life 
in ways that are sane and life-giving. I want us to remember that as we go through this. Second thing is it's not about words. Prayer is not about words. Sounds strange, right? But it's not. It's about an attitude. God doesn't need our words. God knows what's going on in your life. God knows what's going on in your heart. God knows all of that. He doesn't need your words. Prayer says, I want to be in relationship with a God that wants to be in relationship with me. It's an attitude more than words. Because I know for many folks, the thing, one of the things that keeps you from prayer, if it's not a regular part of the discipline in your life, is I don't know what to say. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I, I don't know how to begin. I listen to these people up front in church and the way they pray, and it's so elegant or eloquent, and, uh, um, you know, it, it sounds so good and put together, and, and I try, and I fumble over my words, and I, I, I just can't. I'm not a prayer. And I hear that enough that, that I want to talk about that at the beginning of a series on prayer. It's not about your words. One of the most eloquent prayers I get to hear is at my dinner table. My youngest son, Matt, many of you know Matt. Matt is a 25-year-old Down syndrome young guy. And he struggles with articulating his thoughts into words. But when we pray at the dinner table, Matt has the most eloquent prayer. It starts the same way every time. Thank you for our daily food. And then he goes through and tells God about the highlights of his day. I did this, I did this, I did this. And, you know, he goes through kind of his day, and and then there'll be a pause, and he'll go, "Uh, that's it. Thank you for our daily food, amen. It's a perfect prayer. It starts by giving God thanks for the stuff of his life. It says, God, here's what my day was like. Here's what I got to do. Here's things that were important to me. And then, oh yeah, and and thanks again for taking care of me. I am sure that our Heavenly Father loves that prayer. It's not about the words. It's this attitude of, God, I want to be in relationship with you. So we're going to talk about a couple of different types of prayer or maybe seasons of prayer uh, that we go through. And, and uh, so it's not, it's not a pattern, you know, this is how you pray and these are the things you have to do and steps and so forth. It, it really is just times of life when we are that we're going through and how we pray through those times. So this morning, we're talking about those times in life that are not fun. Those times in life where you're not happy, those hard times, those difficult times, those times where the room feels dark, where life is hard and we're struggling. How do I pray in those seasons. And I'm so grateful that we have examples um, in the Bible that um, point out some things to know about prayer in those seasons of life. 
We have in um, the Bible what I like to think of as a journal. It's David's journal. Now, David was a guy who was who came to be known as a man after God's own heart. That's how God described David. He's a man after my own heart. David, who started out as a shepherd and became a warrior and a king and then an international leader, was a guy who would write his stuff down in a journal. And we often talk about the Psalms as, as poems or lyrics to words and so forth, but I like to think of it just as this guy's journal as he's writing down his thoughts at the end of a day. If it were 2018 and David were writing these things down, I could picture him sitting at a desk, maybe in front of a laptop or a computer and and putting his thoughts down electronically. But just kind of pouring out his heart to God. So that's what's going on in the 13th Psalm. It's a very short Psalm, but it's powerful. So I want you to listen to what's going on to the, not just the words, but the emotion behind it for David. He writes this, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice in my downfall. Those are pretty hard words. He was going through a dark time, huh? And that's hard stuff. And he's just crying out to God like, hello, are you there? Do you hear me? Is this thing on? Come on, God, show up. Maybe you've been through a season like that in your life. Maybe you're in a season like that now. Maybe it hasn't been the case for you, but live long enough and you're going to have a season like this in your life. Maybe you feel like your whole life is a season like this. These are days that are not fun days. They are not happy days. It was not a good day when the doctor told me that my 35-year-old wife had cancer. That was a bad day. That was a bad season. It wasn't a good day when I was lying in a hospital bed with a blood clot in my leg and one in my lung and having the medical folks very concerned about my health. It was not a good season. Walking through the end of life with my mom and my dad and with Marilyn's mom and dad. 
Those are hard times in life. Those are the times when an hour feels like a day and a day feels like forever. Maybe you've had the experience where you have had something going on with you physically, medically, and you're waiting for a test result. If you've ever had this experience, you'll know what I'm talking about, where they say, the results will be in on Friday. And you're just, you know, it's constantly on your mind, and Friday you call up and they say, oh, it didn't come in, call us back on Monday. That's a long weekend, right? Weekends never go slow except in those kinds of circumstances. Then it feels like Monday will never come. These are the seasons that we're talking about. So how do you pray in the way of Jesus in those times when life feels like a dark, a dark room? So three things I want to just highlight to you as we are preparing for communion about praying in those seasons in the way of Jesus. The first thing is to keep it real. When you are praying in those seasons, to keep it real. You don't have to change your language. You don't have to pretend like, okay, God, you know, I'm, it's all good. I get it. I'm, you know, you're, you're good. Your ways are good. And if, I mean, that, it's all good stuff to say, but if that's not really what's going on with you, if what you want to really say is, where are you? When are you going to show up? Why is this happening? How can this be? God, have you forgotten me? Those are legitimate prayers. God is okay with that kind of prayer. There are folks who believe that that kind of prayer is a lack of faith, and they're wrong. God is okay with our anger. The God of the universe can handle your anger. He's not overwhelmed by your struggle and your words of frustration. The difference is, you know, anger is not the opposite of faith. Anger is not the opposite of faith. Apathy is. When you get to the point of saying, you know what, forget it, I'm, not, I'm done praying. Didn't work, I tried it, didn't work. I'm done. That's when our faith begins to be eroded. When we're crying out, expressing the reality of our heart, even when the words may feel and sound harsh, God is okay with that. So when you're praying in these seasons, keep it real. Say what's on your mind and what's in your heart. God can handle it. And also recognize that God is going to use those times in your life to help you mature. The book of James tells us that we can look at trials through the lens of joy because as we go through those trials, he is going to mature us so we are full and complete. So you can be frustrated, you can be angry, but also remember that God is going to use those trials for good. 
The second thing as you pray in those seasons, in those dark times, is to listen for God. You know, prayer is not just about speaking words. It's not just about us telling God what's on our mind. It's listening for God. And so to get still, to get quiet, the the psalm says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes prayer is just to be quiet in God's presence. And it isn't even just about those times of prayer, you know, where you're like, wherever it is you pray and, you know, you've got your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, that's not the only time, that's not the only way that we pray. You can be in a regular state of prayer as you go through the course of your day. And to listen for God means that as you're going through your day, you are, you are looking for, you're listening for those times that God may want to speak into your life. I hear this from folks all of the time who are going through difficult seasons in their lives. How God shows up in a way that speaks right to them in an unexpected way. Sometimes it's, you know, they're, they're, going, they're using the discipline of reading scripture and so they're reading the Bible and a verse will just leap off the page, speak directly to their mind, directly to their heart. Like, oh, even verses that you've read hundreds of times before, suddenly it makes sense. It's speaking right to you. That's thank you, God. Sometimes it's a song. You'll hear a song on the radio or something, and it's just like God is singing this song to you. It's an encouragement to you. Maybe it's some, a word from a friend. Maybe it's a word in a message. I was talking to a guy uh, not all that long ago who was in one of these dark seasons, and uh, he was struggling, and it was difficult and so forth, and he was driving home from work. It was a rainy, had been a rainy day, and it was kind of overcast, and he was stuck in traffic. He said, it's like a metaphor for my life. It's a lousy day. I'm stuck in traffic. This is my life. You know, where are you, God? And he said, right out on the horizon of the highway, he saw a rainbow. And he said, it just, it was this moment of God hasn't forgotten me. So when I talk about listening for God, it's not just, you know, getting quiet and listening for this audible voice in your head. It's it's just being aware that God is in the room. God hasn't abandoned you. And if you listen, God will speak into your dark place. That's the third one, by the way. Remind yourself that God is in the room. There's no place so dark, there's no difficulty so deep that God is not there. Wherever you find yourself, wherever you are, God is in that room. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to pay attention to that. I read the 13th Psalm, but I didn't finish it. It's six verses long. We read verses one through four. Listen to how David finishes out that journal entry. Verses five and six, it says this, but I 
trust in your unfailing love. All of that stuff is true. All of that complaint, all of that difficulty, all of that feeling of frustration and anger about the circumstances of his life, it's all true, it's all real, but God is still in the room. God is still in the room, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Circumstances may be hard. Situations may be challenging. It may feel like you're alone, but God is in the room. We're talking about praying in the way of Jesus. And so Jesus certainly went through dark times. But no time so dark as the time at the end of his earthly life. Where he was carrying the, literally the weight, the sin of the world on his shoulders. And God had rejected him because he became our sin. And in Matthew's gospel, 26th chapter, verse 39, it says this, he, meaning Jesus, he went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground That's how heavy this burden was. It just was physically crushing him down. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. God, I don't want to do this. Later on the cross, he asked, God, why have you forsaken me? It feels like God is gone. Jesus knows the dark room. Jesus knows the time of suffering. And he's speaking his truth to his father. But here's the prayer of Jesus in the midst of the hardship. Here's what faith sounds like. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done not mine. See, God, I recognize that you know what's best, that you have what's best in store, that nothing in this world can ever separate me from your love. And so as much as I don't want to go through what I'm going through, as hard as this might be, not my will, but your will be done. And when we get there, Man, we live a life of sanity. We live a productive life. We live a full life. Not constantly angry, not constantly frustrated because of this awareness, this deep faith. Those women interviewed in South Carolina were able to speak words of forgiveness, not because... It didn't matter to them, not because it was easy. They had this deep, they have this deep, deep 
faith in the God that they know. And they're going to trust him in the dark room, knowing that God is there. So the way of Jesus is the way of life. It's the way of truth. And as we go through life's dark times, whether you're going through them or somebody that you care about is going through them, know that God has not left. God is in the room. And as we reach out in prayer, in faith, know this, that the Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you. And the Lord will be gracious to you today and forever. Amen.